0: uh Welcome to the Rent to Rent Success podcast, all about creating consistent cash flow, escaping the nine to five and really living life on your terms. This is the only podcast entirely dedicated to helping you achieve rent to rent success. It's our place to inspire each other to believe bigger, to be bolder and to be game changers for good. I'm Stephanie Taylor, your guide on this exciting ride. start up the engines and get ready to fly. Hello, hello, hello. Stephanie here and welcome to the 29th episode of the Rent to Rent Success podcast. OMG, I'm so excited for episode 30 next week because we have got an amazing episode for you. It's an interview with a special guest, a very special guest. The Nikki Taylor will be joining me next week. And we'll be hearing all about her story from YTS. Do you remember those? The youth training schemes of yesteryear from YTS to corporate stress and During that conversation with Nikki, I find out quite a few things that even I didn't know before. And I've known her for a long time. So I think you're really going to love next week's episode when we get to know her. She's normally behind the scenes and she's coming into the forefront next week. And let me know if you've got any questions that you would love for me to ask her. Just send me a comment or in the rent to rent success Facebook group. But to this week, it's all about how to choose the right property. But before I dive in, we've been talking to our production company this week about our book. It's getting real. Rent to Rent Success, the book. It's happening. It's our six-step system in a book format. And if you want to be part of the VIP book list, we're going to do a pre-launch, which is just for the VIPs that are on this list and everyone in our Kickstarter program. So if you want to be part of it, sign up at renttorentbook.com. That's rent2rentbook.com, number and we'll have a link in the show notes as well. So let's get into it. What makes a good HMO? A lot of the time, we talk about working with landlords and agents to make them want to choose us, but we need to do some choosing too, and that's why this episode is different because it's all about choosing the properties which are right for HMOs. The things that you'll learn today are what's going to set you up for consistent cash flow. This is an area where many people come unstuck because they're confused about whether a property will be profitable or they're so keen to get started that they ignore the warning signs and choose a bad HMO. So here we're going to talk about aspects of assessing a property. Now, this is different to the deal analysis. This is all about, will this property work as a house share? Will it be legal? Will it rent out consistently to the right people? And to work that out, there's four things that we've got to look at, four L's. That's licensing, location, layout, and lifestyle. And we've got part one today, as it's quite a a meaty topic. And then we'll be doing part two in a fortnight. So today, we are talking about the first two, which are licensing and location. And then in a fortnight, we've got layout and lifestyle. So let's start off with the licensing. Many people I talk to are intimidated by the licensing. They say things to me like, I'd rather do serviced accommodation because it's easier. So essentially, they're saying that running a hotel is easier than understanding, you know, licensing and whether to go for an HMO. And service accommodation is a lot more time consuming than HMO because by its very nature, you're finding guests and serving lots of new customers every month. And as you'd imagine, guests have much more exacting requirements than housemates. So licensing looks like it's more complicated but once you understand the basics it's actually straightforward and remember there are lots of people doing this and most of them aren't rocket scientists so you're going to be able to do it as well and the fact that people some people are put off by licensing basically means there's more opportunity for you. So what is HMO licensing? HMO licensing are the rules which the government say must be in place for an HMO, a house of multiple occupation. And there are mandatory licensing rules in England and Wales. And what this means is every HMO property for five or more people from more than one household requires an HMO license. It used to apply only to properties with more than two stories. But now it's the case for all HMOs, irrespective of the number of stories that are in the building. Properties for seven or more people from two or more households require suite-genery planning. And that's always been the case. So they've always required planning. They always, there was no change there. So in Scotland, the rules are slightly different. And there, there are mandatory licensing rules. So... With that, you will need an HMO license if you want to rent your HMO property out to three or more tenants, none of whom are related or a part of the same family. And I'll have uh, links in the show notes to these. Obviously, you only need to know the rules for the areas where you want to operate. And if you're just starting out, uh, start out in one area and understand the rules for that one area. So those are the national rules, England and Wales rules, and then Scotland rules. But we've also got local differences. So some councils or local authorities have added further requirements onto those national requirements. And you'll need to find out if there's any additional restrictions in place in the areas that you're looking at. And the additional restrictions take the form of three different types. It can be Article 4 direction, it can be additional licensing, and it can be a selective licensing. So first up, let me talk about Article 4 direction. This is a direction under Article 4 of the General Permitted Development Order, which enables the Secretary of State or planning authorities to withdraw specified permitted property development rights. In plain English, what that means is that where an Article 4 direction is in place, that planning permission is required to change or to reclassify a C3 property, i.e. residential, into a C4 property an HMO. So next up we've got additional licensing and this applies to certain HMOs that fall outside the scope of the mandatory HMO licensing scheme. It's a discretionary scheme that a council may have adopted to help it deal with problems which they've associated with HMOs that are not already covered by the mandatory licensing. And then we've got the selective licensing and much like additional licensing, the content will depend on exactly how the local authority has drafted their scheme. Some schemes cover the whole borough, whereas others only cover much smaller geographical areas or specific roads. So the important question here is, how do I know whether Article 4 or additional licensing or selective licensing is in my area? And that part is very simple because it's public information and it's available on the website of every local authority area. So you can just look there. Then the next thing I know that people do worry about is, oh, my gosh, my area is Article 4. What should I do? And so many people use Article 4 as an excuse not to get started. They think that because you can't turn an ordinary house into an HMO, you can't do rent-to-rent. And we have been successful in our rent-to-rent business in an Article 4 equivalent area because we focus on existing HMOs. So it doesn't stop us. We just always work with existing HMOs. If anything, it's an advantage because there's less competition because it is more difficult to convert a house into an HMO, the numbers of HMOs in our area is not growing as fast as it would be in an area where there's no Article 4 and any house can be changed into an HMO. And the other advantage is that when you focus on existing HMOs, everything is already done for you. You don't need to pay for additional works to get it up to the HMO standard. You don't have the uncertainty of whether the planning will be granted. And yes, landlords and agents will still rent existing HMOs to you on a rent-to-rent basis. If you listen, do you watch the Rent-to-Rent rock stars who come into the Rent-to-Rent Success Secrets Facebook group and talk live to us about how they're running their businesses? And the overwhelming majority of those are working with existing HMOs and it's working out well for them.
1: Would you like to start your rent-to-rent business step-by-step with us? Book a rent-to-rent strategy session with Stephanie to find out more about the Kickstarter program and see whether it's right for you. Go to rent to slash call. That's rent, the number two, rentsuccess.com slash call. It'll be great to speak to you about your goals and answer your questions, and help you start your rent-to-rent
0: success story. So sometimes it can be worth the time and expense of going through planning. For example, if you're buying a property, or if you have a property on a very long lease, at a really no-brainer rent, but generally though, we don't recommend it for beginners, as you can go for properties that are already HMOs. Although there are exceptions to every rule, and you'll remember Maria has done this successfully and you can hear her talking about it. She's turned an ordinary house into an HMO, gone gone through that licensing process, and the council were delighted with her as well. So you can hear that story. It's a bonus rock star episode on the podcast on the 31st of July, and the title is Rent to Rent as a Busy Mum of Three with Rent to Rent Rockstar, Maria Apaniran, or If you're on the website listening to this and you're not on the podcast apps, it's renttorentsuccess.com slash rs 6 for rockstar 6 Okay, so that's licensing sorted. You just need to know the status of the property, which you can find online. And we've suggested that you start with already licensed HMOs. So next up, the second L to make sure that it's going to work well for you is a location. Location, location, location. You need to choose a location where people who are your target housemates want to live. That's obviously the most important thing. Uh, But how to choose your area. If you feel very confused about where to start, this is going to give you some clarity here. Before I go into this fully, I want to remind you that people are doing rent-to-rent in cities all over the country. Rent-to-rent works in most cities. And of course, there are checks to be made first. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about now to make sure that it's going to be a good area for you. So the first thing is to start where you are. Choose an area you know well as your first area. And people overlook how much easier that this will make the process. Choosing an area you know well, either close to your home or your work, will give you so much more clarity than trying to get your first property far away from you in an area that's not known to you. It's not impossible. It's just much more difficult. Why would you add another layer of complexity? And because you don't need to buy the property, you can do this even if you live in an expensive area. If you live in the countryside, look at the biggest towns and cities near to you. Then you'll need to look at a few other things just to make sure the location is really going to work well from an HMO perspective. And here, we've got to check. I've got another four, set of four for you. We've got to check that it's got the four P's this time. The first P is that it's practical. It needs to be within easy reach for you because if you're doing the setup and getting the properties together at the beginning, it will run much more smoothly when you can get to it easily. Later on, you might choose to outsource But at first, it's likely to be you. So make sure it works for you. All of our properties are within 30 minutes of where we live, although we have now outsourced our property management to an in-house assistant property manager. So we could live further away if we wanted to. But at the beginning, it was such a bonus to be based near our property. So the first P was practical. The second P is people hubs. Your property should be near people hubs. People hubs are things like hospitals, large employers, universities, shops, cafes, restaurants. People hubs are the reasons people are coming to your city. The more people hubs there are in your location, the more resilient it is as an investment area long term. So the third P we've got here is public transport links and parking. In most areas, most housemates don't drive. Most, most HMO housemates don't drive. In our area, we've got a relatively high percentage of our, of our housemates who drive. So on-street, uncontrolled parking is important. The percentage of our, our housemates who drive is hovers around 50%. So good transport links nearby are important. And it's even more important if you're in an area where fewer of your housemates drive. Uh, so... Having both parking and also having good transport links uh, makes your property much more rentable. We've got some properties where the parking is not so great and we've got others where it's really good, but you're a little bit further from the public transport. But you just need to look at that and say, is this an attractive place for someone to live? Will I be able to rent this consistently? So that was the next one, public transport links or parking. And the final one of our four P's is the property type in your area. You need the right types of property in the area you're looking at. So if you've got an HMO strategy, you need to make sure that in the area you've chosen, that it's not mainly two bedroom flats or houses because that's not going to work. So once you know that your investment area has the four Ps, that number one is practical. Number two, it's near people hubs. Number three, it's got public transport links or parking, ideally both. And number four, its property type is right for your investment type. So once you can see that those four P's are in place, then we need to look at demand. How do we know that there's demand for those rooms? Having the four P's in place is a good indication that there will be demand. But then we just want to check that up and check out if it is. So spare room. Spare Room is currently far and away the number one website for letting shared houses in the UK by a huge margin. It will show you the number of people looking for rooms, the number of rooms available, the rents and the conditions of the property. You'll be able to see rooms from the lowest price to the highest price. And you can look at those offerings and decide where you want to position yourself in the market. Remember, Spare Room will only give you an indication because not every room available will be listed on Spare Room and not every potential housemate looking for a property will have created an account on Spare Room. So you'll be able to find on Spare Room the ratio of people looking for rooms versus the number of rooms available. And obviously for you, the area becomes, an area becomes much more attractive when the number of people looking for rooms far exceeds the number of rooms available. A word of caution though, because our area works really well for HMOs, yet the ratio of potential tenants looking versus rooms available on spare room varies massively in our area at different times of the year. So you need to get your info from spare room and then look at other things too. And this is where your local knowledge. That's why um, starting in an area that you know well works well because your local knowledge is you know, going to give you that X factor. You know the area well. You know you have an idea about is your area attracting lots of new people? What's the rentability of different roads within your area? Do parts of your area have a bad reputation and things like that? Your local knowledge there you can add on to the information that you find from Spare Room. And the next one is local agents and investors. You can speak to local letting agents and landlords. Although, again, I caution you not to put too much weight on what they say if they're not HMO specialists. Because lots of HMO investors contact us about investing in Newport. And they tell us that local high street letting agents in our area have advised them that HMOs don't work here. And all it means is that HMOs don't work for some high street letting agents because it's not their specialism and they actually prefer single lets. So I just want to encourage you because many people allow themselves to stay stuck in confusion, like I don't know where to go, rather than choose an area. And it can feel scary to do something new. So do the checks about line outlined above, and then choose your area. So that's part one of the four things to look for in a rent to rent HMO. So I want you to look out for part two in a fortnight. Today, we covered licensing and we covered location. And in a fortnight's time, we're covering layout and we're covering lifestyle. And do not miss next week's episodes with our incredible surprise guest. Okay, it's not so much of a surprise, Nikki T. But it'll be a surprise her story. It's the first time that we're learning more. About Nikki T and her story. So I really can't wait to share that with you. So until next week, have an amazing rest of the week. And remember, believe bigger, be bolder, and be a game changer. See you soon. Bye for now.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you like the links for anything mentioned in today's episode, or if voice is not enough and you want to see us on video too, You can find all the show notes and lots more at renttorentsuccess.com. That's rent number two, rentsuccess.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we'd super appreciate it if you would take a few minutes to review it in your podcast app. Remember, we'll be donating to our B1G1 charities too for each review you give. Until then, believe bigger, be bolder, be a game changer.